every hour, 1,004 deaf new people born and 620 blind people come to the world. Many people uh, ask me that. You are a sound engineer. Why are you working for people that cannot hear? I am classical musician since I am seven, seven years old because I always thought that music was a gift. Um, okay. I was in, in the school, I remember so much, I was a very, very, very shy kid. Once I knew the music, the guitar, that totally changed. And I always considered that was my mission to return at least a little bit part of that gift. I made a software that can uh, create images with the music that I was playing. We realized that have a very powerful potential for deaf people because with some training, they can know visually what is happening in terms of sound about their surroundings. Welcome to SeedStars podcast. SeedStars is an organization that aims to have an impact in emerging markets by supporting the local entrepreneurs, investing in their ventures, but also sharing their story globally because we really believe they are the true heroes. We'll be listening to them and other thought leaders and disruptors that are really shaping the future of tomorrow. And we hope that together we can build a sustainable impact. Before we start, I would like to thank our partner MADA, the Assistive Technology Center of Qatar, that helped make this episode possible. Hi everyone, and for today's episode, I'm inviting a very special guest, Hugo, representing the startup Talov, all the way from Quito, Ecuador. Hi Hugo, thanks for joining us. Hello everyone. Hi Elise, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. So the last time we saw each other actually was in Morocco in December where you uh, were announced one of the finalists of the of, of the Mada Accessibility Prize. But before we jump into kind of the whole story, your story, the journey of your company till today, um, I thought it would be so nice if you could introduce yourself with why you built Talov and then maybe explain to the audience what is Talov because it's such a yeah it, it's such an emotional story every time I hear it. Yeah uh, well uh, with Carlos Obando my co-founder we founded Talov uh, just to bring happiness to to people that's like the warm purpose um, under the technology but how we can bring happiness to people. We were uh, making a lot of research several years ago, and we found that in, in that uh, research process uh, that technology can help people with disabilities to have more independence for their daily life. So um, there was a moment where we decided to quit our jobs, to quit everything we knew until until that, and to start something big from the scratch. And did you, so, so maybe explain to us now what exactly is the technology you're providing? Okay, Talov is using the artificial intelligence that is a very like common, common thing nowadays uh, to help people with disabilities, uh, for example, to blind people, we help them with the, the image of the camera, of the phone camera. The artificial intelligence start to learn everything that the camera can watch. 
So notify the blind person about objects, distance, uh, be, uh, currency bills, uh, can read text and, and everything uh, about that. So are like a help in common tasks or daily life tasks that usually can, uh, can be a, a very, very difficult challenge for them. And for deaf people, for example, artificial intelligence in the phone can help them to know what's happening around them in terms of sound surroundings. For example, mm. alarms, uh, baby crying, uh, doorbells, uh, vehicles, I don't know, even the music or different kind of music. And uh, also can transcribe all the human voices around them in 35 languages so they can know what's happening around, what people is saying around them. It's very important because they, they uh, usually want to be like integrated in a conversation. So, so if, if they are deaf and people is using the, the spoken language, it's very hard to integrate to, to a, a dialogue or a conversation. And also the application um, allows them using a very tiny sensor in the wrist, a motion okay. sensor. To use their sign language because it's their native language. They don't have to, to, to abandon it. Their sign language and uh, that sensor uh, catch the movements, the artificial intelligence process that, and the cell phone start to speaking. Uh, and so it's, it's quite clear to me for deaf people um, how easily, so you activate the application and then you can quickly get notification on your on your screen with the surroundings and on top, as you mentioned, with the bracelets, with kind of that, that smart, um, what you're able to also uh, speak to people who would on their end have the application also, correct? Mm -hmm. And for however, how, because for me, in terms of for blind people, so if you walk around using it so you can be notified on the surroundings, objects, um, how, where is the phone exactly? Like, how do you walk with it? How, how easy is it to, to, to be transportable, if I may say so? Yeah, that was a very, a very heavy concern for us when designing the, the mm. location for blind people because there are two apps, no? one, one for deaf people, one for blind people. Okay, yeah. Specifically about the application for blind people. Yeah, usually they have one hand, uh, like working with the, with the, the cane, yeah, okay, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. On the other hand, yeah, we were actually like, they, they have to be with one free hand because if you have in one hand your stick and in another hand your, your cell phone, oh, it's yeah. quite uh, like difficult, okay? So, yeah, um, in, 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 this, uh, in this meantime, we were looking for like kind of solutions where you can use the, the identifications when you mm -hmm. go to seventh, it's like a plastic bag here. So yeah. the phone can be here. It's one option that we consider uh, just temporarily mm -hmm. because we are working to make it our application compatible with some gadgets like this, like my glasses, but have a little HD camera here, okay? These glasses are connected to earbuds. So yes. the person, the, the processor of the, of the application that is the phone, it's in the pocket. But the camera, the sensor, it's in, in, their, almost in, in, their, in their forehead. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so they can uh, move uh, with with uh, freedom. They can turn their head. So they are receiving notifications here mm. about what the glasses is uh, are watching in real time all the time. So that's and something we are working on right now. How I still find it impressive how you came down to tackle such a problem. So there are many challenges across so many industries. How did you narrow yourself down in um, these type of challenges that many people are facing? I mean, please give the numbers again, because I had no clue how big this was a mainstream problem for so many people. Um, but, but I'm still fascinated on how you came down to wanting to launch Talov and not another business. Yeah. Okay. I will start by the numbers. Um, I'm really mm. impressive. 470 million people in the world is, are deaf. Wow. And 290 million are blind. That means a grand total of 760 million people could be like the second or third uh, country of the world in terms mm. of just population. Population. And uh, every hour, 1,004 deaf new people born and 620 blind people come to the world every hour. So um, it's a very big challenge. It's uh, wow. And sorry, is this number going up? Is this due to current society or is it just because we have the data now? I think it's uh, because we have the, the data now. I think okay. it's that. But in terms of percentage, uh, joining uh, hearing impairment and blind uh, and visual impairment, um, it's almost a four, uh, 4% of uh, new, new, new people that is burning that comes with some kind of uh, impairment in terms of visual or hearing one. So these have uh, <clears throat> very, very, very different causes. Yes. Yeah, it's a large spectrum of yeah. people that find themselves in visual impairment and 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 uh, listening impairment or, or hearing impairment. Or hearing yeah. impairment. Okay. yeah, it's a very big spectrum. And of course, we don't have to, to forget that all of us um, while we get older, start uh, losing yes. our hearing and our visual. So probably uh, when, when we are like elder people, we will have that. It's probably. Yes, it's, it's funny. It's actually everyone's problem in a way because <laughs> <laughs> we're all getting old and it's still one of the major kind of um, elderly um, conditions that we need to really consider. You, me, everyone. Absolutely, you're right. We tend to forget yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, and actually that's why I'm using this because the <laughs> first, the first uh, thing that we start to lose is our visual, our, our, our visual ability because of the screens of the little uh, characters when we are reading and, and all of that start to, to affect. Then okay. comes the... the <laughs> Okay, so I, I need to reduce my screen time for sure. <laughs> in these times, it's not easy, but I'll keep not that easy. in mind. I just, because I sometimes feel a, a shame. Why am I not thinking of all these people? And, and how did you 
from Ecuador, what what was that? Because you you were also a, a sound engineer as a, a your your as background. So did that also narrow down your your thought process of what challenge you would want to focus on? Um, is it your because you have so many people around you with such disabilities and it was something you felt personally was a mission? Um, I'm just very impressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, many people uh, ask me that. You are a sound engineer. Why are you working for people that cannot hear? It's like, <laughs> True. What, what's going on? And, and, and I always say, yeah, it has a, a 100% of sense. And uh, it's important to, to tell like the, the behind story of all of this. Mm. I am classical musician since I am seven, seven years old, six years old. I don't uh, remember uh, the exactly date, but I am a classical guitarist. And then I started to play flamenco music also because I, okay. I am a very, I am a very passionate about the guitar music. I, I had, I was very lucky to, to know and have like a, a personal uh, admiration and relation with with very famous guitarists along my life, and all of that, um, uh, like uh, affected me not, not in, in a negative way, affected in positive way. I don't know how to say like impressed my life, okay, impregnated my life, because I always thought that music was a gift. Um, okay. I was in, in the school, I remember so much, I was a very, very, very shy kid, extremely shy kid. And of course, when somebody uh, usually told, uh, told me, please, uh, can you speak about this uh, topic? And I was like, oh my God, totally ashamed, totally, you know. Yeah, completely But, uh, blocked, like you froze. Blocked. Yeah, frozen because I was very shy. But mm. uh, once I knew the music, the guitar, that totally changed. Um, music for me was a gift to... It empowered you. Yeah, boys helped me, yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot. And I always considered that was my mission to return at least a little bit part of that gift. And uh, of course, the first years was uh, okay. I know music. I have to make concerts, like bring happiness to the to the to the people, like uh, play some beautiful things, that kind of that kind of, of, of aspects. But then, when when I was uh, in high school, actually with my co-founder, with Carlos, we met in the high school several mm. years ago, when we were 13 years old a teacher showed us C++ programming language. So we were like, oh yeah, this is funny. This is cool. And we started to make some code, but like kids uh, play games and that kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, we continued over, uh, over the years, we continue and continue uh, developing and knowing more about the language, more about uh, the computer science, And then uh, a lot of years uh, later, when we were uh, actually finishing our, our engineering, Carlos was in mechatronics engineering, I was in acoustics engineering. 
Um, I made a thesis work. I don't know if it's the correct term, thesis work, like the final graduation. A thesis, yeah, you, yeah, thesis. I made a software that can uh, create images um, with the music that I was playing. So mm. if I if I improvise, I don't have to be like limited to to a to a structure. So if I start improvising. Uh, the, the, the software will generate images with me. But then we realized that have a very powerful potential for deaf people because with some training, they can know visually what is happening in terms of sound about their surroundings. Of course. And then came a lot of, because of that work, then came a lot of national TV uh, coverage. Coverage, yeah, and then we started to, in 2016, after some of that coverage, we joined it with Carlos and say, oh, what you have, have potential, has potential. Carlos was working in mobile applications, but social, with social purpose, and we were like, okay, several, uh, so many years from 2018, uh, 2008, uh, to 2016, eight years of a lot of independent research, we have something here and we have to join this. So uh, we quit uh, our jobs. <laughs> we were uh, university professors and then we started to laugh from scratch. I love it because um, people always see this, the founding date of a company and when you go in the depth of the, the story of a founder, you realize, I mean, you started, at, I mean, it started at eight years old with your passion of music, which then started at 13, uh, where you built an expertise in coding, um, which then you were able to evolve into a product. In many ways, you're giving music visually to those that can't hear it. It's super powerful. Um, so it's a long, long journey. It's a long, long journey. Long um, journey. Speaking of, 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 of how long it is, let's start at the end. Where, where does Talov stand today? Where, where are you? Who are your customers? Um, how many customers do you have? Give us a perspective of, of where you stand. Okay. Now, um, more than 7,000 people have downloaded our applications, mm -hmm. but from them, 2.3 thousand are uh, subscriptors. Okay, not okay. all the people that download the app uh, becomes a subscriptor. So those 2.3 thousand are main are in 86 countries because our applications are compatible with 35 languages. So that helps to spread. 86. Wow. 86. 86 countries until one hour ago that I checked the list because we are always checking that. And uh, but the main the main uh, territories are Asia Pacific, Europe, okay. uh, North America. And of course, Latin America, but have like uh, less number of users in Latin America. The most of the users are actually in Europe and Asia Pacific. China, How come? Thailand, Taiwan, Hong Kong, and, and many countries like in this. That's do, do you know why? Why uh, is it because there's competition Latin America? Is it a stigma? Is it costly to distribute? Like, what would be the reasoning? 
it's like something like hard to say or, or something that could be polemic, but it's the truth. In Latin America, disabilities are often related with extreme poverty. Okay. And that have like a chain, because if you don't give a person with disability the opportunity to study, it's, uh, it's uh, very difficult for that people to access to the job uh, circuit. Absolutely. And if, if can access to, to any job, it's highly probable that job, it's not uh, like aligned with their academic background. Mm. So uh, usually the salaries are very low and that kind of things. Also, I think that uh, Latin America is still a not very um, mature territory, mature yeah. in terms yeah. of technological access. Like Europe, like Asia, Asia for uh, sure. North America. So um, that's why our applications are more present in that kind of territories. We think that they have like more access to technology first. Mm. Second, probably Europe, Asia, Pacific, and North America have a different approach to disabilities or for people with disabilities. They consider them in a more uh, respectful way. Mm. And that uh, helps a lot to, to have like a more uh, receptive uh, public for our technology. Understood. Understood. And did you, uh, to, to get these first downloads, did you have to push it or was it such a need that it came organically? No, um, we made, uh, in, in the first stage, we, of course, uh, I think that we gained it, uh, like, uh, how to say, like awareness could be. Yes. Because of the contest, the, we won a contest in Ecuador, another in the United States. So that helped a little bit to, to spread our message. But then uh, we started to make um, like uh, digital marketing strategies, but mm -hmm. very, very concentrated in the stores. We make a lot of ads in, in, the, in, in the app stores because... Uh, yeah, people with disabilities uh, have told us in many, many, many times that mm -hmm. the the main way uh, that they uh, they use to to find the applications are going to the store and type, for example, blind or deaf, and yeah. some applications uh, came in that search, and they they choose the first, uh, second, or third. So we have to be always like in the first places. So we are always working in that. Mm -hmm. And are you speaking directly uh, when you think of your consumer to uh, the ones with these disabilities and concretely are looking for solutions to increase their independence and, and also their cap capability to socialize with our infrastructures, which don't always uh, support them and consider them? Or is it more the, the parents or the children for their for their um, parents that are aging. Um, yeah, it, it, do you have that intermediate conversation like you could imagine in education many times the target is the parents so that you're able to um, have your solution used by the children? Um, who, who is your audience today? Yeah, our audience, um, well, 
um, it uh, trends to be like more younger people because have to be like more connected to apps and mobiles. Okay. And yeah. Uh, but usually are the, the, the people that, is, that have the disability and is mm -hmm. uh, looking for a solution for their, themselves. And also uh, parents with children that have a hearing impairment or a visual impairment that, yes. it, that are trying to help them in their educational process or their, their improve, improvements of independence. So it's like both people that buys uh, for themselves and people that want a gift to to a to a beloved person uh, this this technology and maybe uh, stepping back looking at your business um, and more generally as a founder launching a business in Ecuador um, how easy was it for you uh, especially with the professor background even though I mean you have this very entrepreneurial spirit since the start but what could we imagine of uh, the do's and don'ts in Ecuador to start a business? Well, um, yeah, it, it's a country like very hard, just like some uh, anecdote could be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we my, love my anecdotes. My first, <laughs> first startup, I, I have always, I had always this entrepreneurship spirit and I always, uh, tell uh, tell this with uh, because it's funny. My first startup was at eight or nine years old. Mm -hmm. um, I was in love with Jurassic Park series. I remember, <laughs> and I started to draw. And 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 uh, a classmate of mine uh, was painting the the dinosaurs, and we started to sell them in the school until the directors. Uh, told us, hey, no, that's illegal in the school. That's not. No way. So, how uh, many? How many were you able to sell? I didn't remember. Um, <laughs> probably a couple of dollars because in that time Ecuador has uh, actually another currency. currency. I don't remember, yeah. but I remember that we probably sold like I don't know fifty drawings. Probably good. Good. <laughs> So um, <laughs> I had always that uh, that spirit of uh, making things different. And uh, in Ecuador, I think it's uh, very hard to start, especially a tech company, because here uh, the, the laws, the regulations and all that, uh, all that things are like more adapted to our traditional industries. Ecuador is well known for for. Uh, chocolates for bananas for shrimps and for our tourism but not for tech for sure for sure so uh, that's very very hard uh, when when we founded Talov in 2016 actually just the legal process to set up the company and that kind of things was a mess so um, looking for uh, capital here it's very very difficult uh, yeah. Because, as I said, uh, the regulation uh, not considered, for example, the possibility to make a safe. When you tell, wow. when you tell people, ah, uh, we use, for example, a safe, or we want to use this structure for for funding the the, the people that is in charge of uh, issuing regulations, always are with a face like, what is yeah. a safe? And and we are like, oh my god. <laughs> We so you, to, on top, as a founder, need to educate the investment space and save. So these typical shareholder agreements, it's just not at all 
uh, yeah. mainstream or people don't even know how to operate around that. Yeah, just so, so how do you how do you manage? Like, where are you incorporated? I imagine your funding until now is international um, and until the, the ecosystem matures more, correct? Yeah, that's why we took the decision to incorporate a first, okay, in Ecuador because we were here and we were here in that time. So there is a, a, a legal entity here in Ecuador. For sure. But then um, in, in late 2019, like a couple of months ago, we finished our process to incorporate in the United States. So we have now the company uh, outside Ecuador, and uh, we we found uh, we found that looking for another like possibilities, and we are realizing that that was a very smart step to to make things different. We think that we can help our country better from being outside. It's mm -hmm. like uh, ironic, but uh, it's that how how it works. True, and most uh, Latin American founders will will align with you on where they're how they're operating their scale because if not, it's it's actually it 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 has the the risk of ending the company, which is exactly what we don't want. Yeah, but for example, all have like pros and cons, and mm. one pro of being in in Ecuador, for example, for us is that is a it's a tiny market where where you can like make testing really, really fast. You can okay. obtain results very, very fast. So we use like the, the advantage and the disadvantage of every situation to, to learn the most of uh, each one of them and try to, to gather data to make a, like uh, the best decision possible in any moment. It's interesting because, you know, earlier when you were representing uh, this whole community um, of uh, visually and hearing impaired uh, people around the world, it's as if you're, you're tackling, even though it's a global population dispersed around, you mentioned over 60 countries your, your customers are in, you may be is this true do you have the advantage to at least target one profile and because it's digital and it's an app and it's non-invasive you could actually uh, when you talk about marketing and surveying in ecuador it's extremely representative to your consumer in asia or europe um, or in the middle east or do you have to customize and figure out a whole new strategy uh, a whole new localized product every time because suddenly it feels like you're you really can tackle 700 million people's same problem um or uh, am i naive and it's very very different problems i think all the world share uh, the same problem for example moving into their cities in a in a safer way yes um reading a text when they want to go to a library or the university and for deaf people want to integrate to a conversation or like understanding the teacher in the class those scenarios are the same for all the world mm. so they share the same challenge um, what they don't share is the language so that's exactly. why we work very, very hard to make our applications compatible with those 35 languages. 
So that helped us a lot to, to like standardize our application in all of the world. We usually um, are in contact with our users mainly by email and mm. translators and that kind of things. Uh, because uh, they, they always uh, told us, for example, one people I remember, one person I remember that he was from, let me remember, Hungary could be. Mm -hmm. And he, he told us, uh, hey, thanks for, for this app. Uh, for example, I have very, very, uh, I have a very uh, heavy problem for me. The bills are yes. all uh, the same weight, the same texture. And I cannot, with my my fingers, know which if if it's a five euro or five hundred euro. So mm. people usually rough me when when they give the the, the change. Okay. Yeah. So it was exactly the same problem of our users here in Ecuador with the dollars. Okay, mm. Ecuador now have dollars, but the previous currency sucres was exactly the same issue. So we realized all the world start to feel like the same problems and we have like a common solution that we only have to localize in terms of languages, but exactly works for everybody. So, uh, yeah, for, That's for, super us, powerful. for us, Ecuador is like, uh, like our laboratory to test that things and then launch in, in many languages to, to all the stores. And before you were saying that one big reason why you were able to spread the word uh, so efficiently was the kind of visibility you were able to gain through different uh, competitions or events that you had participated in. And um, it's great because for uh, you were also part of the Seed Stars World Competition and more specifically linked to the, the MADA um, assistive Technology Center from Qatar initiative to, to give a prize uh, to those that are providing a digital access for all. And I wanted to know, is, has, have you already felt the momentum of such, um, such a prize? Because you're now part of the finalist, you were presented in Morocco, you, you're, you work uh, or, uh, you're, you work in, and are in collaboration closely with the team in Qatar. Um, has that um, already spilled positive effects? Yes, of course, very powerful effects because uh, okay. as we are always looking to to gain traction outside of con our country and even outside outside our region, uh, being uh, in in seed stars, I remember that we won 2018 seed stars yes. local. In Ecuador, exactly. In Ecuador, and since that moment, started actually our like our international expansion. We had previously uh, experience in Web Summit in 2017. We were top 200 most innovative startups at Web Summit. We were selected by Mercedes Benz, and then started like the first step. But the second step, winning the Sisters local competition. And then the next year being in Switzerland uh, uh, was, uh, was for us like a, a boost in terms okay. of international awareness. And then it started um, 
for example, media of Europe of, or of United States to call us and to say, oh, what, what are you doing? We're interested in that. And yeah, being part of the, of the Sitstars family for us was, uh, was really a very big boost of uh, awareness, of knowledge about other startups. And the main thing that I, I, I will always um, say thank you to Sitstars, it's the opportunity to learn so much that for us wow. is the core of what we are doing, learning. Because uh, humans uh, often think that we, that we know everything and we can do this, 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 this. And when you are in that ocean of possibilities, you realize that you are a very, very tiny ant mm. and you have to learn and study a lot. <laughs> So always never stop we, yeah we had that opportunity to learn international to learn about what is happening in all the world with that vibrant community of entrepreneurs it brings so much warmth to my heart because you said like the two keywords that we at seed stars team um are working so hard for is making every entrepreneur feel like they're part of a family. So when you said Seed Stars family, I was like, yes. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then uh, the fact that the most important impact was the learning part, because for us, yeah, it's continuous growth of the business. It doesn't stop at one funding round. It doesn't stop at one event. Um, it doesn't stop at one article. Um, if not, it would, we would know it if it was that easy to thrive such businesses. And, and maybe to, to, to talk about specifically your business and many of the businesses that we support um, in Europe and the States, especially, they, they come under this umbrella of social entrepreneurship, impact um, driven businesses, which sometimes we're we're fine to to have our initiative brought under uh, these terminologies but for us it's more just i mean try to do a business and create jobs anywhere uh, for all the challenges at stake that's social by default for us um but but it's true that uh, you're tackling uh maybe what is still not seen as a sexy industry for the venture capital space or uh, a market that is still not clearly known, even though you're anything but a local business, as you presented. How, how is it for you to manage this balance of profit and purpose? Is it an issue for you to, to convince, convince investors um, or have you seen a shift in mentality in the past years? Yeah, actually, I think that's the most difficult part. Mm. Uh, most difficult, uh, more difficult even that developing the software is uh, <laughs> changing the mindset. That is very, very, very hard. And uh, especially, for example, with investors. Yeah, you are right. In in the beginning, uh, I used I used to think it's probably that I am doing something wrong, or I am mm. in the wrong industry because no investors call us. Sorry, no, no, no investors uh, listen us, and um, I don't know. Probably I'm wrong, but then we realized. Uh, actually, uh, yesterday I was uh, I was in a meeting with some Mexican friends, 
uh, that are, are working also in terms of accessibility. And, and they told us, don't worry, you are not wrong. The industry is still don't understand what's uh, your mission. Additionally, to make it profitable. Yes, that's, uh, that's, that's like much better. Logical. Okay, it's logical to make a business profitable because if not, it's not sustainable and soon will we'll end. Okay. Absolutely. But under the hood, and probably most important for that, it's the, the desire to change positively or to make a positive impact in a community that had always like almost been forgotten. So the industry, the, the common industry, it's not well prepared for that. And uh, one of our mission in, in terms of social entrepreneurship, it's also to educate our public of course. investors and other entrepreneurs, even our team. Why you are working here? Okay, uh, you are working just to, to have a job? No, you are working here to change one, uh, one person life. And that passion have to, to push you to, to give them uh, to, um, to work with the most uh, of you. So uh, that kind of education has, uh, has been very hard for us. But we are uh, in, in the road, we, are, uh, we continue working for that. For example, one of Talof core, also core missions, it's to have at least the half of the team that have any impairment. Yes, that's what I was going to ask. How, how are you proving that it's a possible scenario? So as of today, do you have team members with such disabilities? And how are you getting yourself to that 50% if, uh, yeah, tell us, because I'm, uh, I realize that C-Stars, we don't, and uh, it's, definitely my ignorance, um, but could you give us tips on how we could be more inclusive with such talents? Okay, um, for example, we are a small team. Yes. <laughs> so when you are a small team, could be uh, like easier to accomplish that numbers because our goal is very, is very ambitious, 50%. Mm. So, in a five-person team, actually, we have two people. One people is Diana. She is blind from um, from the from their born. Since she was born, okay, Since yeah. Since she was born, and uh, but she is a great social communicator, and uh, she manages all our uh, social media. She is the community manager, and of course. She has a lot of experience for helping us and guide us in terms of product design and test for blind people. For sure. The other guy, Eric, he's a deaf person uh, since, uh, since uh, he was born. And, uh, but he's an amazing photographer. So he helped us a lot with the, the web page colors, the image, the design, that kind of things, and of course, product design and test for blind, uh, for deaf people. And uh, some tips that we are always uh, looking for is that uh, it's very important for people with disabilities to feel, for example, like included. For a deaf person, that means 
uh, in sometimes that uh, somebody can uh, use the technology or use sign language to ask that person about their academic background, for example. Mm. Not just uh, having like this uh, basical mindset that I have seen a lot, for example, in our country, uh, you think, oh, he's deaf. He probably don't know how to do this, 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 this. Okay, you have to do this. But you don't give even the opportunity to know what, what, what are they, their... Yeah, what, what they studied, what uh, are, uh, they were doing before this job. So ask them about their academic background. Ask them about, the, about their abilities. Mm. And uh, try to to help them to, to explode that abilities in a field that they feel comfortable. So I know that, uh, for example, in many spaces, spaces I mean the buildings or the offices and that kind of things, it's very important to be more inclusive with small details like having all the, the, the buttons, the, the, yeah. the labels in Braille, Braille system, have all the all the labels also in sign language and that kind of small details make them feel more uh, more comfortable and they can open their heart to collaborate in a very in a very good way because it's common because they have suffered along the history they have suffered exclusion mm-hmm. and they usually are like uh, like uh, I don't know, like a little bit closed. They have, they probably have uh, fear uh, to enter mm-hmm. in a space and, and try to make the first step. So it's our goal to make them feel uh, like part of the family. And then the results are amazing. We started doing that with these uh, people that joined us to, to talk with them, to help them, to, to make jokes with them. And then... Uh, step by step, we discovered that they have an academic background so huge. They are so so they have so valu- uh, valuable uh, abilities that that we already needed a social communicator, yeah. manager, a web designer, a photographer. That for us was very 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 valuable and better if it's with a person that have the disability and have the opportunity to teach us because we are always learning from them. For sure. It's, um, I think it's actually Mada that, that was very good in pointing to us uh, that uh, we were far from being um, an accessible platform. And so we really need to push ourselves at Seedstars also um, when we think of our events, when we think of these communications as these podcasts, um, how can we make it more inclusive? Um, we're still at the beginning of learning it, but it's true there are really good guidelines out there to help you figure out what are the first step of having an inclusive digital platform um, so that they can participate in all these activities. Um, We're not there yet, so I have to be very honest. We're far from it, and there's a lot to do, but uh, you're right. And I think there is this sense of, but at Seedstars, we're so... We have a great gender balance. We have a great nationality balance, but everyone has their level of exclusive. Um, how do I say the opposite of inclusive? Like 
you all you feel like you're doing a good job until you realize you're missing out on a whole uh minority on a whole uh, class of people and citizens that are uh, that have the same uh interests as you and so we 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 sh i think there's no company that cannot say that they've hit that they've hit the inclusive uh targets we we always will be uh, having to think of how can we engage with a larger community. Um, and it's for us, it's speaking to you and uh, engaging with companies like you that we realize that we've, we're far from it, actually. Um, so <laughs> thank you. Thank you for thank you for opening our eyes, huh? because there's still a lot of work to do on our end and there's still a lot of ignorance from um, from our end. No, no worries. But um... We, we think in the same way. We are yeah. so far. Mm. Uh, even working in that field, we are still so far. And the more companies engage with this mission, the more, uh, the more like uh, wellness and, and happiness will be, will be for everyone. So that, that's why we always use that, that little phrase behind our name, accessible technology for everyone. And everyone means everyone. disabilities, means another kind of impairments. It's not just uh, one field. It's a very huge spectrum of things that companies around the world have to tackle, have to work on that to give like uh, better days to a lot of people. Because um, once we realize about the numbers, then just we say, oh my God, it's like a... I don't know, could be the third country of the world in That's terms of huge. just with two impairments. Not even considering all of the impairments, just two. Absolutely. Um, according, for example, to United Nations, there are some other big numbers that we are always uh, are looking every day because United Nations say that just the impact for world economy every year uh, about their lack of access to decent job and decent salaries and that kind of things. Their no presence in the jobs general world circuit have an impact of 1,400 billion every year. Wow. That could be like twice the GDP of countries like Switzerland or Arabia. <laughs> wow. Every yeah. year. And it's a very important issue to tackle. And so maybe so 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 now it's I have a more of a a short list of Q and A, if I may say so, that we ask to all our our guests. But I think it goes. It's a perfect transition to what you just said with this huge number given um, by the World Bank. Where are you heading? What's if you had to give a, a number, a, a feeling, a, a sense of what is the impact you want to achieve one, two, five, ten years down the line, what does it look like? Okay, um, we, we have realized, for example, um, from that 760 million blind and deaf people, according to International Telecommunication Unit, uh, just 30% have a smartphone. So we are speaking about 230 million. And uh, mm -hmm. of course, that, is, that could be like an addressable market, a more real uh, number. 
And we want to reach the 1% of that market in the next five years. 1%, it's a tiny number, but for us means having 2.3 million users. Mm. So it's not so tiny, considering the, the, the size of the world uh, numbers. Um, speaking about numbers, of course, but uh, I think that uh, our mission will be done the day that I can travel to a very, very, very far territory from mine and see a blind person using our technology and a deaf person using our technology and see how it helps. In that day, I will say, okay, despite of the numbers of the income of the whatever, my mission was I made it. because I changed one life. So I made it. and what are your what are your core values that probably are in your personal life like your professional life if you could give uh, one or two examples of the core values core values like what for example like like company value company values for example oh company values um first inclusion Definitely. Mm. Respect. And uh, how to say, like, uh, efficient evolution. Because we are a tech company and we Mm. have to make an efficient evolution. The world runs so fast that we have to be in that. And we have, like, competitors, um, uh, companies like I will say that I pronounce that that names with a lot of wow fear not not fear like uh, fascination our competitors are Google Microsoft uh, so we are like uh, an ant besides an elephant <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that push us to to be extremely efficient with our work. So that's because we are a very, very tiny ship that can turn uh, or pivot direction very fast. And we know that they are like uh, extremely big uh, giants, giant ships. So they can take a little bit more time to to pivot or or make a turn. Interesting, efficient evolution. I had never thought of it this way. (laughs) Maybe for... Maybe for our, our, our audience, um, do you have a, a podcast, a documentary, or a book that you could recommend? Um, for example, the, the Lean Startup, for, uh, for me, it's a very, it's like, like the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> so it really helped you kick off. Um, yeah, it really and, helps. Another yeah, you're right. that I was reading recently was uh, some things like uh, the story behind people like Elon Musk, uh, that kind mm-hmm. of people that start from very, very, very small things to make like huge ventures. And uh, yeah, about entrepreneurship. But most of the time, I always am reading uh, about uh, arts. Uh, computer science. Uh, I love uh, the novels. Uh, so I, I am always reading like things not so related with, with a startup because I am like 24 hours of the in day it. in it. <laughs> so I need like something different. And I usually read a lot of uh, 
about arts, about music, about uh, Beethoven, Mozart, Paco Lucia, that actually I had the opportunity to know him personally and send one of my recordings and that kind of things. I am, so, I yeah, try you... to connect a little bit. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, maybe, so what word or quote describes you best? It's something like, do you have free? Uh, sorry, do you have fear? Okay, make it with fear. Hmm. But don't let that the fear uh, stops you. Okay, interesting. Is that, is that a saying uh, in Ecuador? In Ecuador, um, yeah, in Spanish, uh, I have heard, not, not here in Ecuador, actually I have heard like in, in Mexico and in some other territories, that phrase that in Spanish is, Tienes miedo? Hazlo con miedo. <laughs> so nice, interesting. You have fear? Then go with fear. But go, do yeah. it. Make do it, it happen. Just do it. Make it happen. Yeah. It's like the, the, the Mexican proverb about sisters. I love it. I really <laughs> it's amazing. It's so impacting. Yeah. It's, it's what we feel every day because and and as you mentioned before this constant kind of the obstacles that any entrepreneur faces actually um and so the quote goes uh, which is a mexican proverb um they try to bury us but they did not know we were seeds wow it's um, amazing <laughs> and so and last question is as you know you are one of our heroes we'd love to know who is your hero or one of your heroes my my first heroes are my parents of course because mm. all that i am i i i am because of them uh, because they have um, they have teached me from the very very beginnings of my life about the readings about the arts about how to help people about that kind of things and i i was uh, obviously i think a seed <laughs> So, um, so they helped and, you grow. Yeah, and my other hero in 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 terms not not in um, in entrepreneurship world, but in 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 what is my core? My core is being a musician. That's my my human core. Um, it's Paco de Lucia, the most mm. guitarist the world has ever listened, and yeah. I can, I can, I am still listening their, their, his recordings, like recordings uh, from 30 years ago. And still I am breaking my head trying to, to decode them and trying to, to how, how this man did this, how, how he was very like, um, how you say when, when, when you are in the future, but being in the past, when you do things that, uh, so in many ways, he was very visionary. A visionary, yeah. Yeah, That's even in his music. Wow. In, it's um, fascinating. <laughs> I, I mean, I could, I, I could go on for hours to ask you questions, uh, but, but, but we do have to come to, to, to an end. And we really hope that Talaf continues to thrive. Um, soon we'll be uh, announcing much more on the company, where it's heading, 
And um, if uh, you enjoyed this podcast, please stay tuned for more as we'll be releasing uh, everyday new stories of entrepreneurs around the world that are really trying to change the status quo in their markets um, with a, a real sense of going forward with or without fear, uh, which Ugo has proved to us today with his story. So thank you, Ugo, again for your time. And uh, we're so happy you're part of the Seed Stars family. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much, Seed Stars, Alice. I, uh, I am also honored to be part of this family and very happy to share with people uh, our mistakes, our success, and our learnings, of course. And uh, obviously, I, I felt uh, like in home. I enjoyed <laughs> a lot talking with you can uh, I can be speaking as you said hours with you and uh, hope this helps to to inspire people to to do it despite the fear just do absolutely it. Happen, as you said thank you thank you so much thank you for listening to our hero's journey and subscribe now for more stories on seed stars podcast